You're listening to the Films and Swear movie podcast. That's not normally how we start this introduction. With your hosts, Sheer Sullen and Magic Mike Christie. Yay. I think, I, think, I think you should have cue cards. Or at least someone written down. It's easy to remember. Recording straight out of five Scotland. And I didn't say that. How long have we been doing this? Too long. Mm. So for me just to go, like, right, I'm too busy counting to ten. Then it's like, right, time to talk. What do you say? Hello. <laughs> and what should you do? You should just record yourself with the introduction. Once. Aye. And then <laughs> just chuck it in and when you're doing the editing. Aye. And then never need to do it again. Yeah. So uh, you can are listening to episode 170 of the Films and Swear and Movie Podcast. We are on our fifth episode of the Scorsese season, and we are in the most recent decade, covering Shutter Island from 2010 and Silence from 2017. Yeah. Yep. We're getting there. For a split second, I thought Silence came out in 2016, but it's one of the ones where it's at the end of the year. Aye, because I think it is. It's, like, you're not wrong saying 2016. But I also distinctly remember the UK release on first of January. First of January. Side by side with Assassin's Creed. Yeah, and unfortunately we were busy for both issues. Aye, aye. So Scorsese's career in sort of like the last eight years. Of course we've got Short Island for two thousand ten. Hugo for two thousand eleven. Ever seen that one? No. No. I was quite fond of it. I was like one of the first films I got when I bought my 3D TV and that was a like a proper 3D uh, I feel like it was a Christmas movie but might have not been set at Christmas but it was just like a snowy Paris set ah, back in the day and It's like a family oriented film Oh I totally it, it's based on a children's book um, but it had some amazing 3D effects. It was honestly when I had like the, the glasses on in my living room, I was like a cat pawing imaginary snow in front of me. Like the snow was coming at the telly. I was that fucking like, like what the fuck? Easily amused, but it was good. The the kids it was like was it Asa Butterfields, Chloe uh, Grace Moretz was still pretty young in it. This was all post Kickass as well, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is like a the guy in charge of the train station that was sort of capturing all the fucking orphans and getting them locked up. You had what's his name Ben Kingsley. It's just like this wee man that works in the train station, but it's got a much bigger story. Uh, Jude Law showed up. There's like a few names to it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's it is like a wee family film, but it's. Again, it's fucking uh, March Scorsese, so it's about two and a half hours long. Uh, so there's like, films within the film, almost. Hmm. Uh, then you've got 2013's Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Which was fucking massive. Uh, a lot of folks thought that that was going to be the film that uh, Leo would have got for, like, best actor, but... Aye. Because he didn't have fucking... <clears throat> and I mean, that's like another... Scotty the film when it's got a massively ensemble cast. Exactly, fucking. Um, 
fat guy. Jonah Hill. Aye. Think of why I forgot his name. Jonah Hill was fucking amazing. Ah, he was really good in that. And just to see how fucking chaotic Wall Street was like back in the day. Aye, because you had a, a Matthew McConaughey like cameo in the first five, yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, the whole of them. Hmm. Knocking their chest and like, it was, it was like when you're watching the trailers like, this film looks fucking mental. Uh, and it's on for a long fucking time. It's about three hours. Aye. But when you watch it, it's, it's worth Aye, it. it's, it's, for it being three hours, it's really easy. Mm-hmm. Aye, it's not a hard watch at all. Yeah. Um. Then, 2016, Silence, 16, 17. And then, 2019, I thought this was an 18 one, but it is a 19 one. Uh, the Irishman. Ah, it's a Netflix produced. Netflix produced film. Uh, the plot. A uh, hit. A mob hitman recalls his possible involvement with the slaying of Jimmy Hoffa. Hmm. And the cast. It's got some fucking cast to it. We've got Jesse Pelmos, Plemons. He is TV Matt Damon. Second season of Fargo, The Butcher. Uh, aye. Aye. You watched, did you watch Breaking Bad? Aye. Shot the kid on the bike? Aye. Yeah. He's the he's the lead, I think. Aye. Uh, Anna Paquin, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Joe Pesci, Harvey Keitel, and wait for it, I'm glad you're sitting, Ray Romano. <laughs> like, that's actually a fucking stellar wee cast. Aye. Half of them are, well, like, how the fuck are half of these cunts still alive? Yeah. Like, Joe Pe- Joe Joe Pesci is 75 today. 75 a day. HMV posted, like, a wee, it's like, fucking happy birthday, Joe Pesci, 75, what was one of your favourite films? Blah, 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 Casino, Goodfellas, Home Alone. And they're also just trying to get a wee bit of conversation going on their mm. Facebook page, but it's like, fucking Joe Pesci, 75, Jesus. Uh so, and the fact that he's, he's no been in a film for fucking donkeys, uh, eh? Generally, I can't remember. Can't imagine him doing it. I think the last time I actually ever seen him, it was maybe Luther Wetton 4. Aye. That was about 20 years ago, so exactly. he would have been in his 50s. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, like, Al Pacino must be pushing the same way, really, or no deal with uh, fucking Harvey guy tell. Aye, Harvey. Yep. When he's no doing those direct line adverts. Aye. So. But Aye. Some fucking cast. So um, aye, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that because I like a lot of folks are already predicting that it'll be shit because it's Netflix because it's Netflix produced. Just, but aye. It's I don't think it will Martin be. Scorsese. It, it's I reckon if he's fallen out with fucking Leo, he's went back to his old toys. Robert De Niro, fucking Joe Pesci, Harvey Keitel. I'll yeah. just do a film with him. Um, this will be his first film he's done with Pacino as well. I've just never done any of it. Yeah, yeah. Aye, because I think we were trying to figure that out a couple of episodes ago. Aye, because um, during the trivia for The Departed, he was wanting Pacino for a role. Mm-hmm. But couldn't get him. So, aye, that's what he's been up to up until present. Do you think this'll be maybe his last film? I don't know. Fall short of him dying, probably not. I think he's probably will be one of these people that just keeps going. But uh, if not, it'd probably be a significant film to go back to go out on. Like uh, they sort of the people that made him yeah. as big as he is. 
I wouldn't be surprised. Like it would be nice to get a Ray Liotta cameo. Yeah. Because he's another one that's kind of being significant. Aye. Figure in his films. But or James Woods. Aye. <laughs> Just playing some pimp with fucking an old beat up sharp stone. Nah, <laughs> I had some news. Fucking John Mahoney passed away. Ah, I know. Man, um, I can't remember what day it was. Let me. Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. Aye. Because, I mean, all cunt kind John Mahoney. Like, Marty Crane for Fraser. Yeah. 77 years old. 77. Yeah. Said he died uh, whilst in a hospice care in Chicago. So it must give the impression that he was maybe battling an illness. Given in the end. But he had some fucking career. Like, sure, he did 11 seasons of Frasier. But they said he had a, a, a career in theatre. Uh, he won a Tony Award. A whole handful of films. I mean, I've not got them in front of me, but I think he was in... What's the one with Clint Eastwood? Um no, I can't remember from the top of my head, but obviously for us, you know which one I'm going to say. Aye. Fucking striking distance. Aye, that's one I always remember. I can't remember in, in any other form apart from that, that's the thing. Because I only remember that in Frasier. Exactly. Let's see, they've got him in Barton Fink, which is one of the Coen Brothers films. Uh, say Anything, that's got... Eh, uh, shit, what's his name? Is that? I'm not showing you the picture because I should know this. He was the the main dude in a Hot Tub Time Machine, Black Hair, 2012. Oh, John Cusack. Aye, I don't even remember that name. He was in that one. Um, he's done. Oh, Dan in Real Life with Steve Carell. No, it's in that. He was played. He's like the, the fucking granddad in the film done some voice work he was an Iron Giant as the general hmm. I'm saying he is in uh, in the line of fire I was in that as well yeah aye he's got he did that before Striking Distance hmm and because his role in Striking Distance was pretty much he was Big Bruce's dad aye it was pretty much a short camp it was almost like a, a short role because he was only for like five minutes and gets killed off yeah yeah um, but I was just like <coughs> watching the Bruce Willis I was like that's the dad for Frasier uh, um, Channel 4 had Frasier on yesterday and I was watching it and it was episode when oh what's her name who was the English British maid uh, Daphne head. Daphne I, she like comes back to this and she's like looking a lot thinner mm-hmm. and uh, Niall said obviously said something to her that pissed her off aye and uh, he comes into the into the flat, and he's like trying to like apologize. Yeah. Fraser's like, uh, "Oh, Camel, just leave him, Camel. I'll can, I'll take you for like dinner, Dad." And he's, he's like, "Oh fuck, I stay at dinner, fuck I." <laughs> and he's got his walking stick in it, and he just like literally hops off his recliner. Aye. And he goes away, and then it it cuts to uh, Daphne and Niles. He's like, "Look, I just want to say." I didn't care for your cooking. <laughs> like, he's always trying to... I think he's trying to, like, make it look like he's no saying that she's fat sort of thing. Aye. I think he would rather her hate him for saying that. Yeah. And 
she's like, Ken, what are you saying? And he's like, I, I don't know. And <laughs> it's the fact that fucking the camera cuts and the Fraser and fucking Martin's still in the house looking. Aye. And it's like, God bless you, son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've loaded up, well, I've looked them up on YouTube. There's a couple ones. There's one titled Martin's Weird Family Story. You were eavesdropping? It was an accident, and I only heard the part about her wanting to have another baby with you. <laughs> she completely threw me. Well, I don't know why you're so surprised. She's seen what the crane jeans can do, and she's coming back to the well. <laughs> How does one respond to something like that? Well, I bet if you say no, she'll go to... Just so self-centered of you know, she's got this all figured out for herself without the slightest consideration for my life. And Niles will say no for sure. <laughs> Which means only one thing. <laughs> She'll come to the source. <laughs> Me. The Fountainhead. What? Can you imagine? Lilith's and my kid would be brothers to you and Niles and Freddie. What are you talking about? <laughs> and if you and Lilith got back together, you'd be his stepfather and his brother, and Niles would be your son and his own uncle. <laughs> it's almost worth doing just so that I can tell the story. Ah, do I play the ball? Ah, we toast to John Mahoney. I almost broke the ball. I know. Even the cat's looking. So. Time to go on with the show. Okay, Mike, we'll let you go first with your coverage of Shutter Island. Yeah, so 2010 Shutter Island from director Martin Scorsese stars Leonardo DiCaprio as US Marshal Teddy Daniels, Mark Ruffalo as Chuck All, and that's how you pronounce it, Ben Kinsley as Dr. Colley, Max von Sydow as Dr. Nyring, Michelle Williams as Dolores, and Emily Mortimer as Rachel One. Quite a few names to that one. Yeah. There's a couple more, but I kind of just ah, left them out. Stick it to the main ones. <laughs> uh, what's the plot, Mike? <clears throat> um, a US Marshal investigates the disappearance of a murderer who has escaped from a mental hospital. And through my, my work in the library system, I do believe this is based on a book by Dennis Lee Hain. Yeah. Ah, uh, the book got released in 2003, mm-hmm. around that time. So, more often than not, like as all things do, when it gets released as a movie, the book gets re-released with a movie cover yeah. on the book. So, yeah. if I can see his face all the time at my work. Aye. <clears throat> so, Mike, was this your, your first time? No, um, I think this is only my third time seeing it. I remember when I first got it, <clears throat> I think I watched it twice in the one week. Right. I think this is the only other time I've watched it. Okay. So it's a good few years since I had seen it. And did you like it? I sorry, I'm just my throat. Um, I um, thought it was quite good. Mm-hmm. Could it be kind of like a murder. It's not really much of a murder mystery, but it's just aye, a, a proper mystery. Aye. Aye. And I've I've watched it a couple of times myself, and it's usually one of these things where I think, aye, it was a good film. And then there was a time that Margaret had it on. And like just like just wanted to watch it herself. And I was going back and forth through the house, and I kind of had to stop what I was doing and watch because I was like, 
oh, let's film this together. I just kind of had to just sit and watch it. I just forget how fucking dark it gets. and aye. Just how, like, like the twists and that. But, aye, engrossing is probably a good way to describe it. Yeah. One of the things I do like about the film is I quite like the score for okay. the film. It's quite... It's quite haunting if you... Do they do any... Any, like, songs? Or is it just all, like, like orchestra music? Obviously, I don't, I don't expect Rolling Stones to be played in this one. But. Nah. Um, there is a song playing on the record player. Okay. But I think most of the films, like, just describe I never tell you done the score, but... Aye. It's got, like, a... Like an orchestra score, or... Aye. It's mm-hmm. like, um, the score kicks in, like, literally after the first five minutes when they got off the ferry and uh, at the island. Mm-hmm. Going to, like, going to the hospital. Aye. And it's like the score's just playing, like, throughout. Mm-hmm. And I remember Mark Ruffalo... He's like one of these ones where you watch back and you're like, fucking hell, that's Mark Ruffalo. Because uh, prior to Avengers, I never really knew who he was at all. Yeah. And looking back on it, I, was, I, I can't quite remember. Did he have a, a big part? He was, um, he played uh, DiCaprio's partner. Well, I was his partner, but he had just got assigned to the case. Mm-hmm. So he was like the newbie, almost. Aye. Aye. I just mind them like kind of leaning on the, like, sitting out on the edge of the ship as they're going in, just uh, having a fucking wee chin wag. Because the first um, first bit of the film you see is when, um, the Capro wakes up and he's like, like in the bathroom, like fucking thrown up because he's got like sea sickness, and they cast on the water and stuff, and he's like, washing his face and he's like getting like get together and he goes outside, and he's like. Chucking it out of the fucking side, mm. and then Mark Ruffalo comes there and starts Aye. talking to him. Aye, Leo, for like he looks like shit in this film, doesn't he? Mm. Like obviously, he's already got like a wee plaster on like the side of his eye as well. Yeah, but I mean, obviously by the end of it, he's a, a fucking wreck. Because I mean, as it goes on, they're there to look for somebody that's um went missing mm-hmm. from the insane asylum. Aye. And it, it more or less leads to the, well, is that a big reveal or is it sort of like halfway you, they kind of realise Leo's character's actually insane himself? Aye, the, that kind of comes towards like the last 20 minutes. There is, um, when you watch it the second time, it's when you notice all, all these things. Yes. You notice there's a lot of foreshadowing in it. It's like when you watch Sixth Sense and Fight Club for a second time. Aye. Because mm-hmm. like, when you watch Fight Club, you notice everything, whereas when you watch it the first thing, you didn't, no. you didn't pick up Aye. on anything. Exactly. And I quite like films that, like, like Get Out, obviously, is a key example of, like, picking up things the second time you watch it. Aye. And, um... I had a guy at my work, sorry to interrupt, um, the other day said to me, ah, I watched the trailer for Get Out, that looks quite good. Like, do you get anything about it? Like, no, nah. like, just watch it then, didn't he? Didn't he bother? Just, just watch it. Like, ah, it looks like something weird about, like, the folk being hypnotised. It's like, aye, aye, just, just go in there, just didn't look at any more, just didn't let that fool just go in there and watch it. It's like, aye, there's like a gala going on. It's like, aye, no, nah, I'll I, I tell you so much, I, I don't want to, <laughs> like, watch it. Aye, because that's, um... They're betting on black people. <laughs> but going back to this, obviously, when you get the reveal towards the end, um, 
when you watch it a second time, you realise because the person they're looking for, you get her story. Yes. Saying that she um, like murdered her children. Rachel Weiss. Nah, it's uh, Emily Emily Mortimer. Right, they're right. looking for. Aye. And um, they tell us like they get all the information for like, the orderlies and all the mm-hmm. people that were involved on the shift that night. And it's like, like the last story is that she murdered her daughter, her kids. Oh, and um, don't worry, it's just his cat taking a shit. Um, <laughs> she just like drowned them in the lake, mm-hmm. brought them back to the house, sat them at the dinner table, and like her neighbour found them. Mm-hmm. And um, her uh, husband, can't remember if they said her husband left her or if her husband died, but she very much. Believes that her kids are still alive. Like she's in this, she's in the asylum, but she thinks she's like at home. Yeah, she thinks yeah. that like everybody around her, like postmen, delivery drivers, like, mm. workies, stuff like that. Aye. So um, I just it delves deep, and like the more and more they uncover, the more and more that they think that there's something going on like, in the hospital. Because mm. there is like um like what's his name when they come across. Uh, Max von Sydow's character. Ah. He um, plays a German doctor. Okay. And at the time, this is just no long after the Second World War. Ah, right. And um, they think that something's going on. Like they think that they're not being told everything because they're trying to get a lot of information, but they're withholding that information. Aye. So I just kind of delves like deep into that, mm-hmm. which is quite. Quite interesting if you've ever seen it for the first time. I know. I, 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 <coughs> it is one of those films. I actually keep forgetting it. It's like directed by Scorsese. I, I always was under the impression when I was watching it the first time was the fact that he maybe just produced it. Because uh, at first I felt like it didn't have his style of directing to it. Aye. Uh, um, is there a narration to it? No. No. Aye. Because some also that's usually like a key element to his films. I think if he just does it different, or if he was, with it being a, an adaptation to, of a book. Yeah. But what notes you got? Um. Obviously, when the first five minutes of the film, when they're on the ferry, um, while Ruffles start like tries to break the ice mm-hmm. and asks about. If uh, the cat really like, married or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> he's like, ah, he goes, I was. She uh, died in a house fire. He's like, but it was the smoke that killed her, no right. the flames. So it's like, let's, like, no, not on point that it was the like, smoke that killed her, no the actual fire herself. Mm. Um, so that as, as the film goes on, you get a lot of dream sequences, like almost like flashbacks. I, it shows you like flashbacks to like him with his wife, mm-hmm. and there's scenes where him walking through the the Dachau, like concentration camp and oh, the war. Right. I think he served in the war before he joined the martial service. Aye. And it's um, he keeps on like like seeing images like like children like dead and that, and saying like you should have saved us and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
So he's obviously got like a like a PTSD. Ah. Like before, it was kind of recognised as a thing, but honestly, a bit of a mental wreck. Yeah. I'm trying to think, is there any big standout characters other than well, you've kind of mentioned, like Max von Sydow and um, Emily oh, Mortimer. Um, what's his name? Uh, ben Kingsley. Mm. He's got quite a like interesting character. Who is he again? He plays Doctor Macossi. He's the one that like basically runs. Is he the head doctor? Ah, he's Aye. the one that's running like the asylum because it's a massive asylum. It's like broken up into like three parts. So there's like <clears throat> there's like the male ward, the female ward, and there's the ward that's like it used to be like a what's the word? It used to be some sort of thing used in the war, right? And like that's apparently where like the worst. Like offenders go. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, also when the cat bro's character like suffers from migraines quite a lot, so he starts getting like tablets given to him Aye. by uh, Doctor McCall, and he's he, he's kind of like obviously they think that something's going on as well, but he's like straight to the point like look, there's nothing happening here, mm-hmm. and he's got an answer for everything. Mm-hmm. So he obviously. Then you get to the film, you can obviously it's all a lot of lies, but it's almost like he's just trying to stay in character for for uh, the Caprio's. Aye, because that's like, that's sort of the whole reveal is that he's just another patient, and they're just kind of like as if the woman that thinks everyone's just a guest in her house. Mm-hmm. They're all just talking to the Caprio just to kind of keep him happy. Yeah. Let him pretend that he's a marshal and. Right, because this is like yeah, like, like an all like an everyday occurrence. Mm. He really relays the story, and they let him play it out. But they let him play it because they're trying to do something. They, like um, Ben Kinsey's character is trying to use it as some sort of like experiment. Okay. Like some sort of treatment that uh-huh. this is what. Like if if you let them play out the roles that you actually get. Like, like you're helping them, or aye, like you're helping, like you get them to like admit to like their like crimes or whatever. Yeah, aye. Ah, it's been quite annoying, eh? Ah, just a bit. Yeah, although I'll fucking I'll have a look about buying a new one. Ah, but um, so is so that's the majority of the main players. Who really steals it? Um, I probably say DiCaprio because ah, it seems he, like it. Again, it's all because he's quite he's quite hot tempered. Obviously, when he begins to suspect that something's going on in the like, hospital, and that he's quite hot tempered. Aye, and and like he like despises the uh, the character that Max von Sydow plays because it's like you're like you're a Nazi and that. And it's like it's like there's nothing because there's nothing illegal about like being like a an immigrant in a country that's got like all the papers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> But um, obviously, when the film gets further on, you begin to kind of piece everything together. Aye, aye. And um, the Capitalist card just kind of becomes a bit more like, unhinged. Aye. And it's when you get the. Like, you keep seeing like, all the wee hallucinations of his wife. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like a scene where he's holding his wife and then. Like the like the area around them like turns into flames, mm-hmm. so it kind of makes you believe that um, 
that Charlton did die in a fire. Aye, aye. But then obviously I think he it's just like himself. a yeah. Now I'm trying to think. I I think I might be getting this film mixed up with something else. But is there people getting killed off in this? There's, there's not like someone getting fucking knocked off a ledge and or I'm totally thinking of something else. Nah, nah. Um, I wonder if I'm thinking of Great Gatsby or something. I don't know. Fuck, aye. Anyway. Because like, the more and more they try to look around the island, um, they decide to pull out of the like, investigation and the water go away. Mm-hmm. But there's like a massive like fucking storm pretty much like, and, like none of the ferries are running. Aye. So then they decide to investigate the worst part of the asylum. Mm-hmm. And DiCaprio's character spoke to what Ruffalo about a a guy that he knew that got like arrested for like murder or something, and he knows about what the people are doing in this building. He thinks that people are like performing like like lobotomies and stuff. Aye, aye. So he goes into the and like the darkest pit, and he ends up finding. The guy he like caught, right, and he kind of doesn't believe that it's him because he believes that he's in another part of the. He's over in, in like an actual prison in Boston. Mm-hmm. And like the weather plays a big part in the film as well. Aye. There's a scene where he's trying to investigate a lighthouse, mm-hmm. and it's like torrential rain and, um, like absolute fucking hell and winds. Mm-hmm. And he tries. He goes down the cliff, and he looks up and he sees like a wee like a light in a cave, mm-hmm. and he thinks that it's um, Mark Ruffalo. Right. But he goes in. Does, does he disappear? Ah, he disappears ah, pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. And um, when he gets into the cave, he then finds the real Rachel. Right. And basically, this the one that they gave him was a a decoy or something. Right. Right. So um, she feels a lot of bullshit saying that they're doing like lobotomies and this is like the real reason and they're, like, they're talking about how there's a 47th patient. Right. 47th? 67th? Ah, 67th patient mm-hmm. and in the document it's only 66. Right. Many times he's obviously the Aye. 67th one. Ah, oh, okay. But like the big um, the big reveal was quite when I first seen it, it was good, but then also you pick on it, you pick up on it as you watch it and stuff. Aye, aye. Cause I mean, when I was wa- when I was watching it yesterday, I um, I forgot. I thought um, I thought Mark Ruffalo's character like wasn't actually real. Ah, oh, right, like and imaginary. I'm like, ah, and I'm like watching the scenes. And I'm like, can if he's meant to be imaginary, how come people are talking to him and handing him things? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until obviously later on you think. You realise like what's happened. Eh? Mm-hmm. Now, you got a, a favourite scene? I think probably. Just, I think maybe the reveal. Aye. Was kind of the best bit about the film. Quite satisfying to watch. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's a lot of elements in the reveal. Because um, the guy that. How is it? Aye, go and explain it to me. The guy that. The Capro mentions a lot of the film is a guy called Andrew Ladis. 
<clears throat> and he's like somebody that apparently has been trying to catch for a while. So when he goes into the lighthouse, he um, there's what's his name sitting there, uh, Ben Kingsley, mm-hmm. and um, there's a flip chart, and there's the names of uh, Andrew Lewis and Teddy Daniels, mm-hmm. and um, that's an anagram of right. Teddy Daniels. Aye, and the anagram for um. Uh, the anagram for Rachel Solando is the name of Daniel's wife, mm-hmm. um, Dolores uh, Chanal or something. Aye, it's quite a clever reveal, the fact that it's like anagrams. Yeah. Aye. And then um, Chuck appears, obviously, that he's the assigned, he's um, the Capro's assigned psychiatrist. Aye. But he's been with him for the two years. And... Um, then you get the whole flashback of what happened with his wife. Yeah. And I'm assuming he was put there, was it? I suppose he would have been charged with murder. Aye, definitely. And and, and obviously, I think he would be charged with well, murder. She was, but she was a bit mental. Like. Aye. But obviously, he must have went through like the medical route just to say that he was cert- like, would be certified insane or something. To have them fucking shipped in an asylum. Yeah. Or the fact that he got fucking charged with it and drove himself crazy. Because uh. obviously I, I'd imagine he was fucking head over heels for his wife and for this, for the dying of fire. Aye. Uh. Probably um, enough to fucking... Because <laughs> when, like, when they sat him down, they say, can you, can you, we've been doing this for two years. Aye. Uh. Like, every day, it's the same thing. Over and over again. It's like we let you have free reign in the place pretty much. Aye. And it's like you can you, you never escape. It's like so everybody here is pretty much just like playing the same roles day in, day out for you. Mm-hmm. And then they put him asleep and he wakes up and he says, My name's uh, Andrew Ladis. Uh, like I murdered my wife because she murdered my 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 children and stuff. Aye. And they're thinking that's like a Bit of progress. Aye. So then, cuts to him outside with Mark Ruffalo, and it's a conversation that started in the start of the film. Yeah. Which is him back in a. Aye. Like where he was before. Aye, Groundhog Day. Aye. And aye. he just he's just looking and he looks at um. At the two doctors and the warden, and he's just like shaking his head. So I'm assuming that's. Also, a failed experiment. Aye. Is that how it ends? Um, aye, pretty much. Aye. I'm sure it does, aye. Mm-hmm. Sure. Aye. Um, notes. Aye. Aye. The one thing I did notice about it was that before it got revealed that they were from Boston, mm-hmm. was that there was a lot of like, Boston accents in the film. Aye. Well, for they two anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I think myself, fucking Scott is mad for a boss in that scene. Aye, aye. That he can. Well, they're just coming up with the parades. He'd probably just mm. want to keep up. But does the film have a, a rewatchability factor? I mean, would you watch it again tomorrow if it was on? Um, 
if me, ah, if, if Michelle said to watch, watch it, I'd be like, aye, I'll watch it. Mm. And I'll let her see if she like, figures it out. Catches on, aye. Because yeah. does it appear obvious that he's fucking mental? Well, like before it's a lot of people were saying, a lot of people I was reading reviews on were saying that again, the reveal was right there in the poster. Because on the poster it says someone is missing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of people are saying that. Maybe a lot of people clipped on it really like right away that it's obviously going to be the crap really sell. But I, I, like, I never picked up on it when I first watched it. Aye. And I thought it was quite clever. And then when I watched it the second time, mm-hmm. I picked up on it. And then <clears throat> when I was watching it yesterday, when they were giving you the story on why... Um, that virtual last it was in the asylum it was basically them using the story for like his wife yeah so um, and, and the rewatchability is there no, maybe no as rewatchable as like maybe like Goodfellas Casino yeah yeah stuff like that maybe it's maybe maybe it's a once a year sort of thing aye yeah I could see that because that, that as I said I've seen it one or two times but it is Something that's really good if you've not seen it for a while. And yeah. you can appreciate just like all the sort of the telltale signs. Yeah, and I mean I think it's quite a I thought it was quite a bold film for Scorsese to make. Because obviously we just to seen him making like like gangster films. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, this is a fucking psychological thriller. Does it have like a horror element to it? Or I don't think so. No, nah, I'm probably just Thinking that, but because that's it, it's been probably two years since I've seen it. Aye. Now, would you like to fire into some trivia then? Um, I've got budget and box office. I've got, um, so here we we guess at what the budget this one is 100. Nah, maybe less. It's cutting out about 63 million. That's quite good. Which is pretty good. Yes. Considering it's actually filmed on an actual island. Oh well, okay. Because I would assume ninety just with the names involved and yeah, like it seems like there is some computer work put into it and yeah. And um, do you think it made its money back? I had to, I had to easily made its money back. I feel like that was a successful one. Yeah. Um, domestic, it took one hundred and twenty-eight million. That's quite good. And foreign market it took one hundred and sixty six, so a uh, worldwide value of two hundred ninety four. Decent, ah, definitely. And for up until Wolf of Wall Street, that was Scorsese's biggest, like, like most financial Aye. film. No wonder for having like a fucking that was a tight budget sixty sixty three. Yeah. I mean, there isn't a lot of big names in it. Aye, Leo, yeah, being the big. Mark um, Ruffalo maybe wouldn't have been back at that on, time. Aye. He didn't really fucking really kick off till Avengers. Ben Kingsley had sort of peaked and was on, I would say, on the decline almost. Yeah. Um, trivia for it is Leo and Mary apparently planned to make Wolf of Wall Street first before this. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't get the financial bang for okay. it at the time. So they decided to do Shutter Island instead. It's the only DiCaprio and Marty production to receive zero Oscar nominations. Yeah. 
I guess you could be considered sort of like a genre mm. picture. Yeah. Like how films like Don't Breathe and things like that aren't you nominated Aye. for things, but you'd imagine it would probably get like an Empire Award or... Yeah. Aye. I managed to screenshot three one-star reviews in the one picture. Okay. So, from an old grey beard... Okay. He puts one star, a load of rubbish, and it's... Scorsese has a, reti- a reputation for directing movies from out of left field. He has surpassed himself with Shutter Island. Big, bad flop. Uh, okay. I mean, a f- when you create a flop, that usually gives the impression that it's sort of like bombed at the box office. Yeah, didn't it? It was a financial fucking success. Exactly. And as you said before, Wolf of Wall Street, one of the highest. Uh, so you think, oh, Greybeard, not wise with age. Yeah. Um, from Al Surat, mm-hmm. tedious film with a ridiculous plot. That literally is the review. It. It's a long, tedious film with a ridiculous plot. It's not that long, two hours, ten minutes. Long enough for them. Mm. Um, over to me now. Alice. So, Silence from 2016-17, director Mark Scorsese, starring Andrew Garfield as Rodriguez, Adam Driver as Gurupe, Liam Neeson as Ferreira, these guys are Portuguese, if those yeah. names, um, Tananobu Asano as the interpreter, Kirian Hines as Father Fildegano, S.A.A. Ogata as N.A.U. Shinya Taksamoto as Mokchi. Yoshi Oda as Ikazu and Yasuke Kobuzaka fucking Japanese names as Kichijiro. Plot is the story of two Catholic missionaries Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver who face the ultimate test of faith when they tried, when they travel to Japan in search of their missing mentor, Liam Neeson, at the time where Catholicism was outlawed and their presence was forbidden. Aye. Hmm. So, this was based on a novel that came out in 1966 by the Japanese author uh, Chusaku Endo, and yeah. it was uh, later adapted into a Japanese film in 1971 by the director Masahiro Shinoda. Title Silence as well. Uh. Now, I reckon, do I, do I want to tell you about the, the the production hell or development hell that this... This is uh, this was one of Scorsese's passion projects. Eh? Yes. Uh. It's something he's been trying to do for two decades. Uh. Yeah, I think I will read this part out first because a lot of shit went on behind the scenes. Um, This is a big old copy and paste of Wikipedia. Scorsese's complex filming commitments to make multiple projects uh, resulted in an early legal challenge uh, before the filming of Silence could be initiated. It was in August 2012. It's Chechi Goro Pictures sued Scorsese over an alleged breach of contract agreements related to silence. According to his company, back in 1990, 
Scorsese had written an agreement to direct Silence, uh, which, like, 1990. Uh, Scorsese was to shoot the film following 1997's Kundun. So that was going to uh, be his follow-up film. Uh, Chechi Goro Pictures had invested more than $750,000 for him to, to make the movie at that time. However, Scorsese chose to make Bringing Out the Dead, Gangs of New York, and The Aviator first. Then, in 2014, they struck up another deal to postpone the film uh, further in order for him to direct The Departed and Shutter Island. Then, in 2011, Scorsese had to come up with one more deal, delaying Silence once again to direct Hugo. Uh, Chechi Gori Pictures asserted that Scorsese agreed to pay a substantial compensation and other valuable benefits in order to direct The Departed, Shutter Island and Hugo. The company's fees were 1 million to 1.5 million per picture plus 20% of Scorsese's back-end compensation to this company for every time they delayed silence it cost him 1.5 million mm. And that was from fucking 2011. Mm. So uh, the complaint was founded that on the company's allegations that Scorsese failed to pay the fees, not Imari, um, it looks like he, he paid the fees up until Hugo and he never paid any more. Uh, breached the contract terms once again when he decided to film Wolf of Wall Street rather than film in silence. But it was denoted that the lawsuit was only described as a media stunt and they settled the lawsuit on 17th of January 2014. Sorry, two years yeah. prior to filming and release. So, it looks like a lot of time and money, uh, especially if, like, 1 million, 1.5, three pictures, like, a fucking big chunk of change was... Yeah. Like, that company made some bank off of this. For for him, like obviously he, I think, would have just been easier to take the hit and direct the movie in the fucking nineties, or, but just for him to fucking right, I need to make at least five films first, yeah. and to the point where he was getting fucking taxed on every one he made, mm. was a bit interesting. That was like when I was doing my research on it, I didn't think it had this much fucking history behind it. Mm. I just knew it was something he wanted to do. Yeah, but fuck. Um, I kind of know a first watch for you because you watched it last year when it yes come out. Eh? I I got a hold of it on a uh, DVD when it when it got it, so it's home release. And I it is it, I have to say it is like an amazing film. Again, a long fucking film. Uh, maybe an hour. I'm sorry, two hours. Thirty six is about the time where the like, the end credits come up and then goes on for like another six minutes after that. Uh, but it's 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 a hard watch. It's it's like a heart wrenching film, and it's all about fucking faith. It is a total religious picture. Mm. Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver are like your main characters, but it eventually just becomes Andrew Garfield's film, and it it's the film stays on like for the whole journey, uh. and. They actually, like, for just being these young kids, like, they do really fucking well in this film. Like, Andrew Garfield's character is pushed to the point of insanity in it. 
and he plays it really well. It's it's obviously like a slow burn film. It's always kind of leading to something. Uh, the whole fact that Catholicism outlawed and their presence is forbidden, you know it's there and that they get fucking caught and captured by... I, they just describe them as samurai, but it's more or less the authorities yeah. find them because they shouldn't be there. They get smuggled into the country by like a fisherman. This is the Kikajiro character who's like a, a drunken beggar who kind of sails them back in. Like he he's like a Catholic, and they, they all, when you watch it with subtitles, they spell Christian so funny. It's like a K R I for Christian. Uh, and it's how they pronounce it, like Christian. It's always a, like a really fucking strange way to pronounce it. Not strange, but it's just obviously uh, through like broken English. But there's so many of these Japanese people are all like secret Christians and just the thought that closer to God will make their lives that much better and the yeah. fact that they have padres, like what they call their priests, like they, they could get absolved of their sins. But the whole thing about having them on the island is it's not like a smooth transaction because they uh, have to hide in a fucking hut in the mountains and hide underneath the floors uh, uh, like in the basement of the hut because if they're found they're arrested so they yeah. have to sit there and wait for the special knock and then to know that they're safe and uh, obviously like anyone else you get cabin fever after a few days uh, and the first chance they get, they go out and fucking start sunbathing because it, it's it's Japan, it, it's fucking roasting. So they're just lying there sunning themselves in the mountain. And you get this great shot where there's like an eagle soaring and it's going down and going down as it passes the island, it passes a plume of smoke. And when the camera stops to the plume of smoke, you just see two samurai just on the hill across the road looking at them. And like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And they all fucking, like, they'd rush back in and they hide. Mm. And you just think it's fucked, but there's so many people that are like just secret Christians and they all want to come over and they want to they get blessings for the fathers and you think who do you, who uh. do you trust? So I feel one thing I need to explain to you about this is a process that they call apotheosis, apotheosizing, uh. and it is more or less the process of having a Christian person abandon their faith. This is like what the Japanese do when they've arrested the people. They line them up and they put out like a bronze tablet of Jesus and they have them put their foot on it to abandon their faith. And then they'll be released from captivity because like Buddha is the one God you cannot mm. practice as a Christian and live in Japan. So it's like this big deal, but it's like a, like a bronze plate, bronze tablet. It's just placed there, and it's got like Jesus on the cross, and they just make people stand on them. And the 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 repercussions for the people that refuse is fucking brutal. The film opens with Liam Neeson's character Ferreira, like on a mountain with hot springs, and they have all these Christians tied to crosses, and it's just got the samurai just scooping up ladles the uh, spring like, like hot spring like the water from the hot spring and it's all got holes drilled into it so it's just like a shower head almost and they're just pouring the water for the hot springs but the water is like burning coals 
So, and they're all bare chested. And as soon as the water hits them, their skin turns purple, then red with blood. And they're just sitting burning these men. And Liam Neeson's beside himself. He kind of, he's like telling them just to sort of, like to apotheosize, like just, just, just abandon the faith. Like, look what these people are doing with to you. They're fucking torturing you horridly just by pouring this boiling water on them. But they all wanted to kind of show how faithful they were to God. They just want to let them happen. If anything happens to them, they'll be safe because God, like, if they die, then at least they know they're going to heaven. So they're happy enough. Like, uh. any torture that happens to them. But the way they torture people in this film is it's hard to watch. Whether it's burning them with the hot springs, there's ones where they just tie them to crosses and they just put them out and let the tide drown them. So it's like a place where it's fucking high waves and there's these three Christians have been tied. One's a right old man and just the waves are constantly smashing them in the face and you see them trying to get into a, into a rhythm where they could capture their breath, hold their breath, but the waves just keep smacking them that hard. They just fucking lose the will and just, just go limp. And it cuts to the next shot of them all just being wrapped up in, um, it's like, uh, like straw, like straw, like uh, carpets and just rolled up in the carpets and then just put on top of fucking bonfires. Fucking one woman was just torched alive. They just had her tied like they were burning a witch. And Scorsese just leaves the camera on her as she fucking, the flames just engulf her. And it's like, fucking hell. Because they know if these people are set on fire, the Christian way is to be buried. So they were making sure they fucking torch every one of them after they've drowned, after they've fucking died on the mountain. They were just piling up and letting the families watch as they burned the fucking Mm. members of the family who say they were Christians. And towards the later half of the film, they do this brutal one to get people to hypothesize where they put them in bags tied up to their necks, hang them upside down, and then bury their heads underground. Like, they dig a hole, and they put their heads in the hole, bodies on, like, this hangman, and then they just box in two pieces of wood around their neck, so their heads just shut in underground. And I think that they did Liam Neeson's character, was like, they cut them behind the ear, so they're slowly bleeding out, just from the back of their neck, just down into a puddle, in the dirt, just fucking with their heads buried underground and their bodies hung up. And it's like, fucking hell, just like, this is just how fucking angry they were about people trying to be Christians. Mm. And especially just to, I guess, more or less to break them. Like, they wanted them to abandon their faith. So they would torch them in these horrible, horrible ways just so they could give it up. Uh, it's fucking nuts. Um. You were saying obviously they're Portuguese and that. Did Liam Neeson have a Portuguese accent? They they tried and do these light accents, but it's not. That's like uh, like Adam Driver and um, Andrew Garfield. Aye, like come across as if they're trying to be. I feel like they're more being British than. Hmm. Nah, I wouldn't say British. Like they're they're just kind of like a a general European accent. Ah. Uh, where like like if we had a, an impression like it's that it doesn't feel like it's authentically a Portuguese uh, accent that they have. And same with Liam Neeson. Like he's just Irish. 
He uh, just doesn't really come across. He just does his normal uh, normal acting, but he's just trying to sound a little bit posh. Uh, does Liam Neeson get his dick out in this one? No. Nah. He, one of the strange things, though, he, he abandons his faith. Oh, That's what they find out in the beginning of the film. There's this long-winded way of smuggling letters, which gives the impression that it's been five years since they heard from him last. And this person sent a letter to him saying he abandoned his faith and he now resides in Japan as a Japanese person living with a Japanese family. Uh. And the way that they reside as a Japanese person is like when a Japanese person dies or is killed, like Liam Neeson inherits the family and the person's name. Ah. So he takes the dead man's name, takes his wife and child, and he's now the, the husband and father of the family with the guy's name. Alright. So, and, that's weird, but right enough he goes about in the, in the, in the, like the, the traditional on, robes, and he's got long hair tied back into a ponytail, and he lives his life as, as a Buddhist. But, he doesn't, like, he's in it for five minutes at the start, then like 45 minutes at the end, it's like that. Your your hour and a half in the middle where it's just like Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield and they both leave the hut about like an hour in and they all try to go to separate islands in search of Liam Neeson's character and like Driver just leaves he goes off one island to find him and Andrew Garfield goes to Goto to find him and the whole village is fucking destroyed and he's uh, arrested. Eventually, because what's his name, Kikajiro, the the drunken fisherman guy, eventually sails him out for money. Uh, like he's trying to lead him away to like through the mountains to find Ferreira, and he's he's sort of losing his his mind. There's got a point where he's sitting because obviously all the time he's asking like this one, chock full narration, like Andrew Garfield doing narrating and Liam Neeson narrating all the scenes at the start. In the th- like the fucking third act of the film, it's just this fucking European traveller who's writing a fucking story. Starts telling about the times where he comes to Japan and he meets these two priests mm. and just starts narrating the last half of the film for you. Like, just fucking out of nowhere. Uh. But Garfield's constantly just looking for a sign for, for Jesus, looking for a sign for God, because his, his faith's being tested. He can't even believe there's so many people and what's happening to him. Uh, and he, he's just trying to cope. He's looking for a sign to continue on because he's struggling. And he's looking into the water, looking at his face, and he's shagged-haired. I think there's a, a trivia note saying Andrew Garfield left his facial hair and his, his own, the hair on his head for a whole year to get really shaggy just to kind of give the impression of somebody that's been in prison for like a long time. And But it's a shot of him looking in the water for a sign and the CGI face of Jesus replaces his own. And then it cuts back to him and he's just fucking laughing like a madman in the water. Next thing you know, samurai's all around him and he's fucking arrested. And they just kind of have him like in a, in a cell that's in the main courtyard. So you can uh. watch all the executions happen and fucking one boy gets beheaded. And it's just vicious. They just drag the headless corpse past and they've dug a grave, and they throw him in, but the fucking like the tips of his feet and his shoulders are still hanging out the top of the grave. Like they never did a good job digging it. They just dug 
so far than just dropped the body and left it there. Uh. <clears throat> but he meets these two Japanese characters. One's called the Inquisitor, who is like the head of the samurai. And then there's his interpreter. And the Inquisitor is a slightly over-the-top character. He's like, you Christians. Like, everything, like, long sentences. And he says, I'm a villain in a movie. This is how he talks. He's just like, and again, he's he's up at 11. Let's take him back to 9 here. But he's really, like, like, why are you doing this to these people? Like, just apotheosize and I'll let them all go. And he's just... Like, they just want to break Rodriguez. They want Garfield to come across, like, become, like, Japanese, become a Buddhist, to give up your faith. Like, you're torturing all these people. We're going to torture all these people until you give up, like, abandon your faith. And the, 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 the best scene in this film, for me, is one where they take him down to the beach and he doesn't care what's going on. They give him, like, the traditional robes so he's dressed like a Japanese man and he's brought down to the beach and they've got like the little deck chairs at the windbreaker up and he's like, what's going on? Because he thinks he's going to meet uh, Ferreira. He thinks he's going to meet Liam Neeson. So he's kind of like, what's going on? He's like, yes, we're going to let you see. Like, another Christian's coming. Come on, take a seat. And he's waiting for Neeson to come along. He just sees all these prisoners being led along the beach and you cotton on one of them's Adam Driver and he's there and he's like he's shirtless and he looks off he's gone and he's obviously been captured and just held in captivity and they're all being brought out to a boat and they grab they've got all these prisoners and they're wrapping them in the in the fucking straw sheet the straw blankets again tying them up putting them on the fishing boats and they just take them all out and the whole time the interpreter's like we've told him now you've hypothesized we've told him you're Japanese now He's looking at you. He could see you in our clothes. What does he think about that? He's like, now if you, if you just apothecize for your sins, like we'll let all these people go. We'll let your friend go. Everyone's fine. Just give it up. You don't. And he's like his narration of it. The way he talks is vicious. He's like really cutting into him. Just say, this is your fault. You can sort this. Let's stop this now. You just abandon your faith. Come with us. Stop it. Because they take the fishing boat out. And one time the guy with the, the fishing pole just bang, hits one, knocks him in the water. Of course, their arms and legs are tied in these fucking blankets, so they just sink. And they're like, bang, knocking all the off. And Adam Driver was left on the beach. So he's screaming, going mental. He's trying to fucking swim out, but he, like, he's weak. He's he looks like they've starved him. And he gets out there and they just fucking start battering him with a stick. And Andrew Garfield's character's screaming, screaming and like trying to stop it. And he's telling him, like, telling like Adam Driver to swim back, like still refusing to kind of give up on his faith. But the the interpreter's like, look what's going on, this is your fault, you could have stopped this. And they just properly just fucking like making like gain him this major guilt trip. Uh. And just like that, the music, the whole fucking drama, you're like, fucking hell. It's I feel like that's the part of you fucking stop the film, go out for a fag break and a wee drink just to kind of set like <laughs> You you get fucking really amped up watching it. It's and it's strange that these are like some of Scorsese's passion projects because mm. it's so fucking different. Like that kind of doing the one star review to him, but going left field. Like for a guy that done Shutter Island and Silence, two fucking completely different films. But 
the saying obviously this is like the third of like his religious films following like Kundun and uh, Last Temptation of Christ uh. so I think if either those two are as heavy as this I, I'd imagine uh, Last Temptation of Christ being uh. probably quite a heavy watch as well but um, is there a is there... Has it got like a good bit of like, rewatchability, or is it? I feel, yes, I could probably watch this film again, but it's sort of like Shutter Island. I wouldn't watch it every week. Ah. Because you do, you, like, you're, watch, you're following Andrew Garfield's character as he slowly <clears throat> gets broken. Ah. And. Because it's also got like a it's like, like heavy dialogue, like, mm. I'm assuming it's probably like a hard form to kind of keep. Interesting. Um, oh yeah, I was trying to think of it, like comparing it similarly to like the Aviator, like because they kind of have a similar running time, and how I was quite interested in that, especially obviously it was a first time watch and seeing all the stuff about Howard Hughes. But I think this one kind of watching it in two part two settings works quite well. I've never uh. managed to watch it in one setting. Both times I've watched it, I've always kind of got to sort of bang in the middle like an hour and a half and then take a break then the next day watch the other hour and a half and it goes in fine because just the drama gets ramped up and you get like you're on the side of like Rodriguez like Andrew Garfield's character you're kind of want him to work everything to work out for him Mm. but I mean who um who steals it? Who makes it it's, from? It says that Andrew Garfield Aye. and to be honest, amongst the Japanese cast, the interpreter is a really good cunt. Um, yeah. His acting, like they, when they take Rodriguez's character for like one place to another, they put him on a horse and drag him through town and all the townspeople fucking hate him because he's, he's a Christian padre, he's a priest. So they just fucking throw shit at him as he's going through town. And the interpreter's beside him like, see, no one wants you here. No one wants Christians here. Why do you Why do you believe in this God? Why would he do this? Why would he let this happen to you? And uh, he's just sitting there just feeding them all this shit. And just, just, like, fooling them. Just wants them to convert. And it's just slowly just pushing them closer and closer to the edge. And when I looked into his card, his acting credits, uh, the interpreter is played by Tanadanobu Asano, who mm. is, I reckon, you'll know him as uh, Hogan from Thor's group of fucking, uh, like, the guys he goes to battle with. Like, in Thor Ragnarok, he's the one who has to fight with Helena, like the uh, Japanese guy. Oh, right, aye. And that's him. And um, some audiences may know him as Kakihara from Itchy the Killer. Like the bleach blonde haired guy with the fucking lip piercings Uh, in that Takeshi Miki film for about fucking 18 years ago. That's one I've never seen. He's the fucking lead character slash psychopath cutting cunts in half in that film. So I was surprised to see, like, it's him. It, It just. But it's great to see like these fucking characters. Like, um, these characters must be ecstatic, like to work with fucking Martin Scorsese to get like mm. that credit in your career. But yeah, 
He I'm really ass- steals it. Aye. Um, I'm assuming, obviously, when you were saying when they go into the separate islands, you didn't really see much of you never Adam see Driver. any of it. Nah, you just see him go on one boat, uh, Andrew Garfield and another, so you've not a fucking clue what happens to him until he shows up on that beach. Like, Aye. What feels like an hour later. I'm assuming it was like filmed entirely like on location. No, they they done it in Taipei in Taiwan. Right. There's there's reading and trivia. They talked about it was actually a, a cheaper place to work and it has a lot more rural countryside. So setting it in a film in the 16th century, like obviously Japan is fucking a super modern right. cities and all that. I'm not sure how much actual fucking forests is left in right. or in islands, but in Taipei and Taiwan. They found ideal fucking shooting locations, and mm. it, is, it just looks like it's just fucking forests, like endless, endless woods. Aye. But it's powerful stuff. Aye. Like I totally recommend it to Obdi to watch. Obviously, at this point now, you can all think that happens, but Aye. hopefully, people listening have seeked it first. It's on Amazon Prime now, so you don't need to pay any extra. But it's totally something like. Everyone should watch once. Yeah. Like if if you follow Scorsese's work, if you're a fan of Adam Driver, Andrew Garfield, Liam Neeson, like Emily's book, you should just watch it once. I mean, sure it's three hours, but you've wasted time on worse stuff. Aye. So <clears throat> that's me. I'm spent. That was uh, intense. Aye. It is a film that I could probably talk about. Like, I look forward to meeting somebody that's seen it because, as far as I know, I'm the only cunt in Fife that's seen it. <laughs> and I like, there's a lot of reading like Reddit boards about folks, and it seems to be getting hugely positive reviews. It's not until you look at Amazon, and that's where you kind of see it gets fucking shot on quite a bit. I think it got like fifty one star reviews. Mm. Um, and which kind of gives it like a three out of five star scale. Uh, would you like some trivia? Aye. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Uh, when the project was announced, the original cast for his uh, nineteen ninety, uh, well late nineties casting, it originally had Daniel Day Lewis as Liam Neeson character. Uh. Gail Garcia Bernal and Benicio del Toro as the two missionaries. All right, so that would work. See, ah, uh, because I was kind of wondering if he'd made it in the nineties or the eighties. Who would like Daniel Day Lewis probably would have fitted the role. Mm-hmm. I mean, stuff he done in like Last of the Mutants, uh, like, the boxer. He would have already the done that. that. Age of Innocence with Scorsese, anyway. Aye, uh, but I've uh, Gail Garcia Bernal. Who's like the guy for the motorcycle diaries and science science of sleep? I is it French stuff he does? Oh I don't know. Aye. He's he's done he he's done some American films, but he's he's done I just remember him, the motorcycle diaries was like the big one for him, I think. Huh. Um and then Benicio del Toro. Yeah. So but Eventually, they all kind of just dropped out after the project was repeatedly delayed yeah. and it got caught in that fucking development hell. Um, budget? I'll, I'll say the 
budget's maybe about forty million. Forty six. Ah. So and from what I believe everyone took a big cut for this film. Uh, uh, all the actors were paid on the more or less the minimum wage. Uh. Uh, Martin Scorsese was underpaid for it. He he took less than I guess minimum wage for his role as as well as some of the the producers uh. on it, and just to kind of I guess cut back the the cost. Now box office, I think it probably underperformed the. It largely underperforms. I reckon it probably made about five mil. Seven. Worldwide. Domestic. Domestic. 23 million worldwide. Mm, So, yeah, still underperformed. Aye, half of its budget. So, to be doing, like, Wolf of Wall Street, highest figures ever, then pulling 23 million, but again... Religious picture. Ah, yes. Plus, three hours long. Yeah, it's a passion project as well. So, I don't think he really cares. Like, he's made all his money. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's peanuts for him now. Aye. I mean, 46 million. I mean, how much would they have really put in the market? Probably not much. No, there's no. There wasn't a lot of market in either. Exactly, there's no Because remember, we were talking about we were waiting for the trailer to drop. And we never got anything, and then we got the trailer like. Like a month or a two. A month before. Was, and it just looked... It looked fucking weird. And it's the fact that it gets released on like New Year's Day. Aye. No, he was not bothered about it at all, I think. Like yeah. it's Well, obviously you want people to go see it, but I do think you want it to fucking overtake the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. It's obviously something he's wanted to make. He's done it. It's out. And let's move on to the next project. Yeah. So, but... I do, I fucking think this is a brilliant film. And it's just something completely different, but it was, it's like one of these things, I wasn't, I was, I was maybe expecting more of like a, a just typically it would have been a Japanese uh, period film, I was hoping more of a samurai film. Mm. But you didn't, I've got something completely different, and I was really quite taken back by how much I actually really enjoyed it the second time around. Yeah. So, but yeah, one star reviews, and uh, let's hear from some cunts that didn't think so like me. Let's see. I hope you've got as a legitimate gripes. There is one. This now, Deacon. Do you want to read it or? I'll let you read it. I've read mine anyway. Okay, it is. It does have two hundred and twenty-six reviews in total on Amazon. Fifty-seven are one star reviews. So that's. Percentage that maybe that's easily twenty five percent almost. Yeah, aye, a aye. bit, bit maybe a bit less than that, but it's definitely almost a fucking quarter of the reviews is one star. Um, don't enjoy the silence as a review from, uh, Verbal Evil. If Kylo Ren, Spider Man, and Raz Al Ghul in the same film together, directed by the eyebrowed fish from a shark's tail. Strikes you as too good to be true? You are correct. Boring beyond belief. I watched... I once watched a discussion about parking on the BBC Parliament channel for four hours because I couldn't find the remotes. In brackets, turned out it was under the cushion all along. 
and that was more interesting than this. Hmm. You fucking enjoyed the fucking discussion about parking on the Parliament channel more than this film. Did obviously and it politics heavily. Mm-hmm. Well, I like how he opened it by just saying, what if you had Kylo Ren, Spider-Man and Raz Al Ghul in the same film together? Directed by the eyebrowed fish from a shark's tail. Hmm. So, next time on the Films and Swear and Movie Podcast, it is listener's choice. Yeah. We have covered a large chunk. We've covered ten. Yeah. Ten Scorsese films. So it's now time for you to vote on Twitter to see what the, the final film is for our discussion. Um, I think our options is going to be Wolf of Wall Street, Raging Bull, Bringing Out the Dead, yeah, and Taxi Driver. Yeah. So uh, I'm positive you're only allowed four options on Twitter. So they yeah. will be the fantastic four options you have. Done any shopping on Amazon this week, Mike? Nope, none this week. Good, because <laughs> just because you probably would have went, you probably would not have went to Films and Swearing first. Yeah. So, just a wee reminder to our listeners, visit filmsandswearing.com, click on the link that says buy your shopping off Amazon for us. That redirects you to Amazon, but anything you do purchase, we get a small commission. At no extra cost of your own, you still get things the same way, but we get a few, like, 10, 20 pence right. after you purchase. you buy your Mega Drive off Amazon? I did, but unfortunately, since it is my account, I cannot. <laughs> I was I didn't want to be bold enough to send you a message and say, hey, you are going to spend like 50, 60 quid on a Mega Drive for me. <laughs> I would, I'd probably get a lot of thought going, nah, buy it yourself. Yeah. I would have transferred the money, but aye, too much shady dealings. A lot of thought didn't want to by a grown man a mega drive in this day and age yeah but yes I highly encourage everyone to visit Films and Swearing first and then go do their shopping through Amazon at that point if not you could always support us on Patreon we have started a new goal scheme every five dollars uh, gives off additional exclusive podcasts which could be anything from uh, exclusive podcasts to wrestling audio commentaries I do plan I think we've we've reached the $15 tier which is going to give our know, four annual is that a four annual podcast? I think it's eight I, yes it is a mixture of since the $15 it is the, the retro wrestling commentaries right. so there'll be four retro wrestling commentaries I feel like Talking about, I'm mixing up. I've got some NXT, some WWE, and New Japan. If it's made available, like if I could find it publicly, so if I could watch it, say on Reddit, and then share the same link to the patron audience, yeah. then I'll do it that way. So I'm thinking maybe AJ Styles, Nakamura from Wrestle Kingdom a couple of years ago, mm. or uh, Sami Zayn and Cesaro in NXT. Or Triple H and Mick Foley at the 2000 Royal Rumble. Uh, so they're the first. That's the first one I'm thinking I'm doing. So I might put that up as a poll to let our patron, our 
choose for themselves. Yeah. So that is that. That is a uh, P A T R E O N. Yeah. Pat Rion. Yeah. Aye. Patron. What was the other pronunciation of it? Patron. Aye. Aye. Patreon. So yeah. aye. That slash F A F A S podcast has got that part of the night where half my brain has stopped working. The part that is attached to my mouth. Yeah, we're all about the beard then. I don't know, maybe, that's, maybe I'm going dry, that's what's wrong. Mm. <laughs> like the fucking Tin Man, if he's if he was an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm getting dry. <laughs> I'm needing some oil. Yeah, we'll, we'll let that static slide there. Mm. That was the sound of the tumbleweed going across the living room. The cat chasing after it. Aye. Social media, again, FAS podcast. That works for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And aye, time to get the fucking music up. I think, Mike. Aye. I oh. know. It's over. It's all right. You can always come back next week. So, shout out to Kenny, Carol, Max, Stu from our Patreon, uh, David Lopan for our funky theme music. Paul Loudon for the art, but uh, it's time that night. Ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week.